So welcome this morning. My name is John Relly. I am one of the pastors here. I get to lead worship with Destiny this morning. And uh, it's a joy to be with you. We are going to worship this morning. We are going to sing. And uh, God's given us some beautiful songs this morning. And then Randall Pinnell is going to preach this morning. Beautiful sermon in the, the midst of our new series, Fully Engaged. Uh, would you, as we fully engage, just take a posture of full engagement this morning, whether that's standing. Uh, we, we invite you to stand with us if you want this morning. You're welcome to do that. And uh, we're going to sing together. We're going to worship you, Jesus. Our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life. So if there's a place in your life that you're wondering, God, I don't know how this is going. I'd really like it to change. You could just begin this morning to say, Jesus, I welcome you into it. I don't know how I'm going to figure it out, but I welcome you into it. Come, Holy Spirit. That's our prayer this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Lord. Let's worship together.
shared this meal together, they did it in community. And I think that was something that was really important, that um, as we get to come together every Sunday, we get to share this meal, and we get to remember what Jesus did for us. Um, I think back to like times where I get to share a meal with friends, and how we enjoy being able to talk with one another, and remember some of the fun times that we've had together, um, and even some of the hard times. So as I think about communion this morning, um, and even this week, I just remember what Jesus did for us, um, his ultimate sacrifice of dying for us on the cross. And then I also got to think about all the things that he's done for us, or for me in my life, and how he's been just such a good provider. He's loved me. Um, he's shown up in so many different ways. So um, as we, take communion today, I just want you to remember first that he died for us and he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven and also that um, you remember all the times that Jesus loved on you and what he's done for you. Uh, in Luke, it talks about the Passover meal and um, it says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at a table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now, I won't eat this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it into pieces and gave it to the, to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took a cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So let's eat the bread together. we get to do this and remember you anytime that we're together. 
Thank you, Jesus. Would you lead us in announcements, please? So, um, can you just stand here? We're here. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Good. Good morning, Mission Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be back. And uh, so. First things first, if you are the first time coming to our church, we welcome you. We're just honored to have you with us. And uh, we have uh, a mana bag gift, which is like some essentials that you just uh, grab and then you put in your car and you can give it to whoever on the street. We also have a connection card. Uh, it's like just a card. Uh, um, you can fill up as much information as you feel um, comfortable. And then if you give us an email, we'll send you a newsletter. So we'll get you a church update. Um, next one, um, so normally we'll have like uh, small groups here uh, to introduce, but um, for the coming February, starting February 2nd, we're starting Alpha Series. Yes, yeah, so that's, that <laughs> that's Wednesday, um, we're starting on February 2nd, and it's at 6.30, it's on St. Paul's, it's south of where we are, I think it's pretty, um, pretty close. Um, so they, uh, we have meals, and then we have like a short video, and then we have like a bunch of time to just talk, and then uh, have a lot of questions, ask about faith. You are welcome to invite anybody, like your neighbors, friends, and just whoever want to join, uh, join us, and then, yeah, we'll have a great time there, starting against our February 2nd. Um, and last one, I'm just going to um, 
close up and pray uh, for our givens really quick. So God, just uh, uh, is just so much joy to um, just being together and then to worship you and just we're thank you for all that you give to our life and then for uh, what we can uh, to provide back to the community. God, I pray that um, just for us, uh, the wisdom to know how to best uh, use all your resources and then to give back to the community and give blessing and then just bring more glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Bruce. Good morning again. My name is John Arelli. It's great to be here with you this morning. We have a video for Alpha. I'd like to play it, and then I want to talk just a little bit more about it, and then I'm going to ask. Uh, we've got something special this morning. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. Alpha has been one of the most important foundational things that I've done in my faith. I've been a follower of Jesus for a very long time. Since I was 14, Jesus came into my life and, and told me, I'm all you need to know. And uh, that was fundamental because life didn't change. Life was still hard. But if Jesus was there, it meant everything. It meant everything. In these days, I, I'm, my heart is, is, is burdened, continually burdened for those that don't have that voice, that don't have someone that's saying, it's going to be okay. That that their Savior, their God, their Creator saying, I know there's a lot going on in the world. I know you're busy. I know you're frantic. But I'm all you need to know, and it's going to be okay. Uh, we began going to Alpha, uh, my wife and I, back in the day, and, and just wanted to be a part of what the church was doing, really. We didn't know what Alpha was, but we just showed up, and we met some people that were kind and loving and got a free meal, and it was great, and, and got to know Alpha a little bit. Uh, we've actually gone, it, it started in uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, an Anglican church in London, and when my wife and I were leading a mission trip to Uganda, uh, we intentionally made the layover on Sunday so that we could go to Holy Trinity Brompton on Sunday morning with a bunch of high school students that were so 
out of it because of the, the plane ride. They were so excited. Uh, but we got to visit. Alpha's gone around the world to every denomination, Catholic, Protestant. And uh, in fact, uh, the Pope has some words on what the Holy Spirit is. It's a, it's a, it's a really sweet teaching. And the Pope's preacher uh, Alpha is one of those things that allows us to come together as a community of faith and all come together about the basics of faith. When there's so much going on and so many questions, it allows us to come together and have a safe place to ask those questions. But fundamentally, it's a safe place for your friends to be able to ask those questions. I don't know about you, but over the last years, it's been a bit difficult to have your own opinion without getting beat up. And if there's any place in the world that needs to be that place that's safe for folks to be able to ask a question that, the, that really is at the core of their heart and soul, it should be the church. So we want to make sure as a church, and we're, we're really canceling everything so that this can happen. We're really prioritizing this because we want for at least there to be one time in a three-year season that we're all giving this space, that we're all reaching out to our friends and neighbors, inviting at least three and saying, I desperately want you to have a safe place to ask questions about faith because there's so much going on in the world. It's so important that you have this help and this safe place to ask questions. So you may be concerned. Some of you, you, know, you may know that there's a pandemic going on in the world, uh, especially for those of you who are online. You're wondering, how does this work? Well, we're going to be doing it simultaneously. We, again, we really want the church to be all together. And as complicated that is on technology, we're going to be simultaneous. So while we're at St. Paul's Episcopal and they're giving us the space for free, the church is just so excited that somebody's using the church. Because uh, over the season, some churches have had a real hard time gathering again. And the room is bigger than this and it's taller than this. And so if you're okay being in a, a restaurant atmosphere, that's what basically it will be because we'll eat sometimes and you can remask if you want. Uh, you'll be served a meal, and if you're okay being in a restaurant atmosphere that's well-ventilated, tall, and big, and where you can spread out, please attend in person. And if you're not, please attend online and invite your friends to attend online. And there may be a time where in the middle of those nine weeks that we're together, you go, well, maybe I want to come in person, and you can. And so everyone, join in beginning of February 2nd. If when I said invite three friends, and you went, oh, and you got really scared, I want you to join in this coming Wednesday night. We're having a servant leader dinner for Alpha that's going to have training, not only in how we're doing the discussion tables and uh, making sure that we're doing that really well and creatively, but it'll have a little training on how to invite your friends in, in a really, really nice way. Uh, so, you, again, that'll be online and in person at St. Paul's Episcopal at 6.30 this Wednesday. From the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you so much for sacrificing the small groups that you have. I know that these are powerful, powerful community uh, things in the midst of this time. We don't want those community groups to go away, but we want more people to be invited into them. And there really is no better way than Alpha. So please come please RSVP to alpha at missionvineyard.org. If you've got a smartphone, I'll let you do that right now. It won't be rude to me. You can say, I'm coming online or in person. 
uh, I Need Child Care, which is free, and they have the most uh, beautiful, like, Narnia nursery at St. Paul's Episcopal. Uh, you want your children to be in that room. It's really, really dreamy. Um, Narnia nursery. I just named it, and if they don't have a name, we'll put that name on the... Uh, one other thing that we don't do too often, but uh, is also very important, is that we don't bless people into places of ministry in the church. And so we're going to do that right now. Kay, Randall, would you come up? Uh, Randall and Kay uh, started attending the church right the first Sunday we, that we had to be online for COVID. And uh, they have gone through leadership training. They have uh, said yes uh, to the values of the church, the ministry of the church. But there's been... Uh, uh, burden for ministry, pastoral ministry in particular, particularly in teaching uh, that both Randall and Kay have. If you, any, by the way, if you ever need somebody to pray for you, ask Kay. And Jesus actually listens to her. It's fantastic. Um, you listen to Jesus. That's what goes on. Uh, we want to pray as, uh, uh, as volunteers, they step into a place of pastoral ministry. And, and, and the role that we've named it is as teaching pastor. Uh, the, the, the gifts, skills, abilities, and, and uh, history that God has given them both is just teacher. And, and we want to see, we see that on them, and we want to name that on them. Uh, so we're going to pray for you, okay? And Herschel, come on. And Carol, Jan and Michael, if you feel comfortable, come on. Come, Holy Spirit, you know the season that they're in. You know the seasons they've been in. For this season right now, we pray for a fresh anointing. Your Holy Spirit, to walk out the ministry that you've called them to for these days. In the name of Jesus, by the power of his cross and his blood, and as your church body, we commission you to this work, to pastor through your teaching gifts, your pastoral gifts, that they would flow in powerful ways for the sake of the building up of the body and the equipping of the saints. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Randall, you get to preach now. You were preaching before, but now it's with real authority. There's no authority without a mic, right? <laughs> well, thank you for that, Pastor John. Um, now, you noticed it, it did say voluntary, right? That doesn't, so I'm not sure. Does that mean you don't really have to listen? Or I, I don't know. I don't know. I volunteered. That's right. That's right. 
what was it in Pearl Harbor, the movie? There's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. How about that? Sometimes I can throw in a movie quip or not. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been a little while. I think the last time we actually were here physically, I preached. So I don't want you to think I only come when they let me preach. Uh, but I think that happened before. We, we're in a series that's uh, very important to me personally, but to us as a church. I know it is to John. Uh, part of my job, if you will, my calling this year is to work with him and to uh, think about what God wants us to do in our preaching, our series. And we took a look this year in our church calendar that some folks follow in different ways. Sometimes it's just rather mechanical, doesn't necessarily help. But we wanted it to focus because the primary focus of the church calendar, at least historically, is on the life of Jesus and the impact of Jesus first in his disciples, but in the rest of the world. And it's interesting, primarily, we think of Advent as the beginning of the church calendar, although we do that at the end of the year, right? But immediately thereafter, we come to what's called epiphany, which is just a Greek word for revelation or vision. But it's particularly the revelation of Christ to others, and it began outside of Mary and Joseph and those few Jewish shepherds that were there with the coming of the Magi, the men from the Far East, perhaps Persia, maybe even farther than that. We don't know. So it represents really the, the spread of the presence of Jesus as well as the gospel and the ministry of Jesus throughout the world. And so many times we uh, have one Sunday or two, maybe an epiphany, and we rush off to get to Lent, which is a time of um, a time of repentance and things such as that. But John and I really prayed and felt like we wanted to focus more on being what we're calling fully engaged. And uh, we've been going through that for a while. This is not the beginning, uh, but. Uh, how to live fully engaged is what this series has been called. You see that uh, on the back there. Uh, this sermon, uh, I don't always try to title it, but I think it will be helpful to you, is we've been talking about the various difficulties. Am I breathing too hard? Is that back up? So I do have to breathe, by the way. Move it away. Okay. I'm spitting. Or All right, there we go. Need a sibilance test. Uh, anyway, the title of this, the number one temptation to our being fully engaged in loving those whom Jesus loves. So we want to talk a couple of weeks here, not talk about the downside, but there are temptations to this, this calling that God has put upon us. And certainly the, the most important thing is that we love Jesus himself, uh, kind of focused at least this week, and we may be a little bit after, a book that many of you know by Henry Nouwen, In the Name of Jesus. And it's a great little book. If you've never read it, you, you, you need to read that book. You can read it in one setting, uh, but you'll want to go back to it probably a thousand times. I can't remember how many times I've read it. But what is so powerful about it is that Jesus, after uh, he has died for our sins as been crucified, died, buried, and resurrected, 
he comes to the disciples. And you remember it uh, before Jesus was crucified, uh, his, his disciples pretty much scattered, particularly Peter, the guy that said, you know, I'll never betray you. Or I'll never, you know, you can count on me. He betrays him three times. And so Jesus goes to the disciples after word in their back. The disciples, Peter included, have gone back to their fishing uh, by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus appears to them. He's making sort of lunch, breakfast for them, frying fish. And in that passage in John chapter 17, now one really pours into this. I want to read that passage out of John uh, verse 1 and then verses 15 to 17 is just an undergirding here. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which we know is the Sea of Galilee. He revealed himself in this way. And we skip down to verse 15. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. And in verse 17, Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. So this is really the foundation of Nowen's entire book. It's really powerful and I think very apropos for us at this moment as we sense this God's call to engage those around us and to engage as fully as possible, not as fully as possible for us, but as fully as we'll let God make us engageable and engaging. And so this book has a, a couple of things here. John and I had a chance to do a little podcast uh, before we started this. You might or might not have seen. But before we get to anything here, Jesus is on the verge of commissioning his disciples and his number one disciple, as it turns out to be, Peter. And first and foremost, before talking about doing anything, Jesus wants to know one thing. Do you love me, Peter? In other words, nothing happens until we love him. And it's not now that we love him, we can move on from that. We continue to love him. Just a quick note of interest here, I think is interesting anyway. I'm sort of a, a language nerd, and uh, you're stuck with that today. But there are a couple of words used in this dialogue between Peter and uh, Jesus that are used for love. Jesus the first time he asked Peter, do you love me? And I'm just going to sort of translate it sacrificially. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the one Greek word one time. Uh, uh, we know the ver a noun is agape. The verb is agapao. It's all you nerds, so that's good. Uh, or if you want to be a nerd, there's your first step. So Jesus uses that word, which is the big word for love in the New Testament. It's a self-sacrificial love. 
to lay one's life down for those that you love. Jesus says that elsewhere in John. You are my, there's no greater love than you lay down your life for your friends. And you are my friends. That's a good definition of that kind of love. Jesus is asking Peter. But Peter responds with a different word. He responds with, yes, I love you, but it's the word that is the love for your fellow man, sometimes called brotherly love. And that's interesting. So Jesus, again, comes back and uses his first word, and Peter uses his word, brotherly love. And so you might think, finally, Peter's going to get it, and he's going to change his verb to what Jesus is asking him. Jesus changes his word, though, to the word Peter is using. And the third time Jesus asked him, he asked him, do you love me like a brother? And so that hurt Peter's feelings. But there's something very important in what Jesus is telling, that Jesus not only wants to know if Peter loves him, but Jesus is telling us that everything begins first with falling in love with Jesus, but you say you love others, but do you? Do you really love others, Peter? It's real easy to say, well, I love my fellow man. But it's another thing to move into that. And so Jesus is not chiding him. Now, wait a minute, Peter. I'm using one verb. You're using another one. What's your problem? He actually takes Peter's own confession and challenges him. And so as we look at the challenge of engaging fully, you and I need to recognize something Jesus recognized in Peter and probably in all of us, if we're fortunate, right? That we can love with this great big holy love, agape or agapao. And that's important. But if you really love me, Peter, then are you going to love other people like I do? So the foundation of all of our calling is do we really love Jesus? And if we really love Jesus, it naturally or supernaturally, I should say, flows into loving those around us. So we've talked about this uh, loving Jesus and encountering him in such a way that there's a call in our life. It's not just enough to sit around loving on Jesus. That loving Jesus does something in us. We sing this morning about his presence. Well, his presence is just not there to tap us on the shoulder or to hug us. The Spirit of God empowers us. There are fruit of the Spirit. There are gifts of his Spirit in our life. And yes, there's doing, but it's not just doing. And Jesus, in this uh, discussion with Peter, and now and really brings this to, to bear for us, is that Jesus uses, and in, in, uh, now in, the, in his book, uh, In the Name of Jesus, refers back to Jesus' own temptations in the wilderness. Back in Matthew 4, you can see some of them in, in Luke 4 as well. I like Matthew 4 because of the verse I want to use today. Uh, but now one combines Jesus' three questions to Peter uh, in light of the three temptations he himself has suffered. So when we talk about the temptations of fully engaging, realize that even Jesus was tempted. 
that before Jesus really started his ministry, he's been baptized by John, but then he goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. Let me, let me read here Matthew 4, 1 through 4 for us. This is Jesus' temptations. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So this wasn't an accident. He was led there to be tempted. And after he had fasted for 30, 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. I guess so, right? It makes me hungry reading this. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are, I, I'd almost like to translate it, If you really are the Son of God, then command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And only Matthew adds this, not Luke, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So even Jesus here is tempted before he enters his ministry. Jesus certainly loves God, but Jesus is now, after proving his love for us by dying on the cross and now proving his love, by rising from the dead, engaging these people, these disciples of his, then he is ready to commission them. But he knows that in being commissioned, just as he was commissioned, there are temptations. Now, now one calls this temptation that uh, Satan puts on him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, certainly making bread out of stones could be compelling to Jesus because he's been fasting for 40 days. So maybe he's a little vulnerable if he's hungry like that. So part of the making the bread may be a personal thing. Go ahead and turn you know, these rocks into bread and feed yourself. But now when bores into this, and I think he's right as I read how Jesus ministers from this moment on, uh, we're not just make this and feed starving people. He's tempting Jesus to be something spectacular. Something relevant is the word that now one uses. And when I hear relevant, and we live in a culture today that only wants to know things like how relevant really are you? How competent are you? Uh, how much control or authority do you have? Uh, do you work harder than everybody else? Uh, do you get things done? Do you prove your worth to everyone else? And we play that game. I've played that game a whole big part of my life. God has blessed me in many ways, but I've had opportunity to, to be having pretty big roles in several Christian universities. But to my chagrin, and that's why I've read Nolan's book so many times, I found myself doing that but feeling the significance of the task, but not the opportunity to not only experience the love of God in my life, but to extend it to those that these positions put me in. So it's not about my competence. It's not about my relevance. It's not about our abilities and what we're doing. Doing is a natural outcome from loving God, but there's a whole different mindset. And the mindset that Jesus is talking about is something not about all of the showy 
stunning, maybe even magical things. Watch this. I can take this rock and turn it into a loaf of bread. Wow. I mean, Houdini had nothing on Jesus if he had done that, right? And would he have gained a crowd? Yes. But not the crowd that he was calling and not the crowd that he could love the only way Jesus could love, by dying for them. So some, so much about this that Jesus is talking about here and engaging even in his own temptation is the opportunity to avoid being prideful. If anybody could ever be proud of what they did, wouldn't it be Jesus? But Jesus knows the temptation even for him was to become that kind of proud. And so even here as he talks to Peter in a minute, uh, he talks about the humility that he wants to see from Peter in his love, not only for him, but especially for his love for others. The one thing, the reason I wanted to use uh, Matthew this morning real quickly is because Jesus is really quoting a little passage out of Deuteronomy. Now, I'm an, my, I've got a Ph.D. in Old Testament, so you knew I had to go there. I'm sorry, it's just, just something I have to do. But since Jesus used it, maybe that's okay. But he, he is actually thinking of a little broader passage here in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 through 3. Let me just read that. You can see it here on the board, the slide. And, and I think Jesus is, quotes this last part of this, but as he does many times in the Psalms, he's also thinking about the entire context of that word. Uh, because listen how he comes to that last phrase out of Deuteronomy 8, verses, starting verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. Now, this is Israel. They've been in the wilderness wanderings on their way to get into Canaan. He said, you remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is only fasting for 40 days. Maybe that kind of entered his mind. 40 years, 40 days, at least it's days. That he might humble you. This is what Deuteronomy says. Testing you to know what is in your heart. Maybe even really in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments do what he said or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger. But fed you with manna. God fed, him, fed them with his own kind of bread. We might even call it heavenly bread, right? Manna, which you did not know about, nor did your fathers know. He did this that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mouth there is also a synonym for breath of God, the Spirit of God. So Jesus is quoting this there, and notice what he said in all of those passages about love. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter responded, and he said, then tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, and tend my sheep. So if you want to claim that you love those around you, then you love on the people that I love. My lambs, my sheep, they're the ones I'm after. Now who are Jesus' lambs and sheep? Everyone that's been created in the image of God. 
everyone. You and I that are called of God have no opportunity to have an us versus them. We don't have thems. We just have those whom Jesus loves, and that's everybody we come in contact with. And so he's laying this on Peter's feet. Now, Peter ran a little bit, but Jesus knows that's easy. In fact, Peter is in the Sea of Galilee area again because they're trying to get away from all the trouble going on in Jerusalem after Jesus' death and burial. They're hiding out. But Jesus charges them here. And so Jesus is talking about humble tasks, tasks that test what's in our hearts, our hearts for Jesus. And if it's for him, then it's going to be for those that we come. Now, you and I can't meet and love every single person on the face of the earth. But God leads us. God puts us in places where we're going to meet people. If you have a job, you're meeting people. If you live in a neighborhood, your neighbors are your people. Any place you go, you go to your doctor, you go somewhere. And I think one of the things he's calling us to is to look for these folks. Because God loves them. Every person you run into, especially those that make you mad or frustrate you, or, you know, the guys that go past you really fast on the freeway, they're the idiots, right? And then the guys that in the middle lane you're behind and they're slowing everybody down, they're, you know, they're, they're the they're the idiots. The guys that pass you are maniacs. Excuse me, that was George Carlin's word. But we have words for people like that. But wouldn't it be different if I go, that's the guy God wants me to love? Not in the car. Don't try to race him and get him. But sometimes it's those people that frustrate us the most. But what God is telling us here, the temptation number one to being fully engaged, to take that encounter of love with Jesus and love those around us, is we're going to have to get, first of all, over ourselves about how important we are. And it's about this job. This is interesting. On the day that you guys make me a pastor or recognize that, I'm telling you, don't worry about your job position. Seriously. Because the job is to love Jesus. The opportunity is to love Jesus. But the opportunity in loving Jesus is to love everybody that Jesus loves. Because if you love him, you know he loves us. The question speaks here to the number one temptation to being fully engaged. Let me read this so I don't forget what I was trying to tell you. In both loving Jesus and in loving those whom Jesus loved, the rejected, the largely unknown, wounded Jesus simply asked, Do you love me? And I would expand that. Do you really love me? Do you love him for just what he's done for you? Or do you love him for who he is and what he is about? That is different, isn't it? I love Jesus because of the look of everything he's done for me. We sang about the goodness of God. But the goodness of God is not something that you and I own by ourselves. The goodness of God is God's, uh, in Jesus is his love for all of his creation but especially those made in his image. And so we have to see those around us differently, and we have to see ourselves differently in the context of them, do we not? I grew up in a way, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but it's, it's, it's bothered me. 
I grew up in a church that, man, you got to witness all the time. No problem with that. But it made us all feel guilty about witnessing. And so when I was witnessing to somebody, I wanted to make sure I got a conversion. Now, I wasn't literally putting a notch in my belt, but I was trying to overcome the guilt of not doing what they were telling me I was supposed to be doing. It didn't come from the place of the love that I had for Jesus because of what he was doing in me and then loving with that same love everyone I had an opportunity with. Because sometimes you try to get somebody saved, they'd say yes, but it's like a traveling salesman or it's like an insurance salesman knocking on your door and then once you buy the policy, you never see him again. This is totally different than just that. We want to see people come to Jesus, absolutely. But we want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And in doing what he's doing is a part of our loving him and his loving them through us. But they're not thems, they're us. They're our brothers. Notice Jesus talking the high-minded love, self-sacrificial love. Yeah, I'm doing that great. But do you love these people? Do you really do that, Peter? Do you really do that? One last slide, I promise, now I'll quit. Oh, 11.01, I was trying to get to 11. Really stuck in my heart this week as I was studying for this sermon out of 1 John chapter 4. Some of the modern translations have changed this a little bit. I like the older translation. In chapter... 4 of 1 John verse 10 then in this is love not that we have loved God but that he first loved us now that translation doesn't say it there but let me get down verse 11 he goes on to say we also ought to love one another this is love that not that we love first but that he loved us okay but we also ought to love one another. It's just what's going on here. And then verse 19, this is the part I love the most. We love because or out of he loved us first. We become channels of that love. Not just for ourselves and not just do your duty now. I think that was a part of Israel's problem. Okay, God's chosen us. We're the chosen people. So everybody else is not chosen. But God has called us to a love, a love of engagement of those around us. So Alpha is one of these opportunities where we can begin to do that and develop not only a habit of it, but to see how important it is to reach out to those that Jesus loves. And so that's our invitation here. I thought this morning, and I will quit, uh, I'm something of a fan of the Jesus Culture songs. And there's one I love the words to. Uh, it's, it's sung by Brian Torwell. Uh, it's not the greatest song, but the words are wonderful. It's a good song. But the chorus there, the title of this uh, song is, He is Faithful. He has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. We will praise him with all our lives and proclaim our love for him. See that? 
He has paid the highest price for us, of course. He has proven his great love for us by what he has done and, and who he is and what he still is. And we will praise him with our own lives, but we will proclaim our love for him to those that we love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this call to us, for this opportunity that you have brought us at this time. And Lord, may we hear that individually. May we not hear that as just the pastors telling us that this is what we got to do. Lord, we need you to ask us if we really love you. And Lord, help us to respond to you in the love that you're after. But also, just like Peter, Lord, help us not be offended by that question. Help us to rather hear what you want for us to do with your love. It's to turn it around and love, pay it forward, so to speak, to love for those around us with your kind of love. As this song that we can proclaim how much we love you by sharing your love with those around us. And there are no exceptions to that. We don't have access to every person, but those to whom you give us access or with whom you give us access, help us love them like you do, to, love your, to be your instrument of love in their life in every single way that you lead us into. So give us a new kind of imagination of your love, to be able to imagine what we could do to engage even the person that we at first are put off by or perhaps there's no way I'd ever let that become a check in our heart and a question Lord is this someone I can engage with your love and we do that and so Lord we want to lay down our lives to you and we want to love you in every way that your spirit empowers us to love you back but in loving you back, may we love those around us. We pray that in Jesus' name. You want, me to, you want to end? This morning, we, uh, we have a couple of words from a team that was praying before the service. Someone who needs a job. Someone who has uh, tooth or sinus pain. Someone who needs to hear from God, fear not, joy comes in the morning. Someone who feels small and needs to be heard. And just the word, you are worthy. So these words come from a place of humility. There's a team that prepares ahead of time. They go to Jesus and they say, Lord, what do you have for our church? Is there anything you want us to lean on? Are there specific folks that, that have a need that we should pray for? And typically what we do is we have these prayer teams that come in the corner. Actually, prayer teams, hold on a second. I just get some an impression. Don't go off too quickly. Uh, I just get a sense that we're supposed to stand if this is you. There's a boldness of, of receiving God's love and um, just the impression that we just need to stand where we are. we are. If any of these words relate to you at all, would you stand? If you have any other emotional, physical, spiritual need, would you stand? And as you stand, would folks just come around? You prayer teams, you feel comfortable going there? Uh, 
There may be other folks that you say, you, you see someone standing, you feel like, man, I really need to pray for that person. And go for it. And what we're going to do is we're going to lead out one more song. And again, if this is you, just stand and let yourself be prayed for. Um, it may be that today you just feel like you need somebody to talk with. You just need somebody to listen to you. And we've got people for that too. Don't leave today without just being listened to. So let's worship together and uh, we're going to let the ministry happen and it's going to be distracting and weird and that's okay because we're more interested in God speaking to people and healing people than, than anything else. So we're going to lean into that. Lord, I come I confess Bowing
Jesus, it's an honor to be with you today in this place and in this time, this intentional space and time. We've heard a word, God, about how we can get distracted and tempted away from loving you fully and loving the world fully. God, we lay it all down before you. We want to be fully engaged in the world because of our love for you. So would you receive this blessing? Would you go out in the name of the Father and the Son? and the Holy Spirit engaged in the world because you're in love with Jesus fully engaged laying down every other cause but engaging the world out of your love for Jesus go in peace filled with the Holy Spirit if you need ministry if you need somebody to talk to just continue to stand somebody will come around you raise your hand come to the front whatever you need